0: Hello, and a very warm welcome to episode 111, all the ones, of the Building Sustainability Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Hart, and every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers. Together, we can explore the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. And today's wonderful person is Vanessa Champion, who is the editor of the Journal for Biophilic Design and the host of the podcast by the same name. There's a link to both of those in the show notes. This is the first of two episodes. It's another double episode. Uh, I seem to be having very long conversations these days. Uh, I hope you like the double episodes. I always struggle to work out whether I should be making them into one single episode and then putting loads on the patron, But it feels like there's so much good information that I don't want to put it behind a paywall. So anyway, you're getting a double episode. <laughs> Maybe let me know if you don't like them. Uh, what was to talk about? Uh, yes, today's episode. Um, we will be talking about all things biophilia and biophilic design from underappreciated biophilic patterns, healthcare, benefits, and of course, materials. I always want to talk about materials. At the end of this conversation that you're about to hear, I felt so incredibly connected and part of something that I really believed in. And it really felt like it was all joined up. There was the architects working and the designers and the interior designers. It feels like everyone's got this brilliant common goal that i have just a little part of. Yeah, I, I hope that you, um, you feel the same uh, when you've listened to it. Episode two will be out directly after this one. So um, do head straight on and listen to them both in one go. If you've got the time. Uh, A bit of news before the episode. uh, The ASBP Awards, the Alliance for Sustainable Building Products Awards for 2024. The shortlist has been announced and there are, as you'd expect, some fantastic buildings and really great products in there. Have a look at those. There's a link in the show notes. A reminder of the free exhibition going on at the Design Museum in London at the moment. Uh, You can see full-scale models of wall sections made from beautiful natural materials. So definitely worth going having a a look and a touch of that. Um, Personally, I'm about halfway through a retrofit project on the estate I live on. Uh, We are retrofitting the old granary with lovely natural materials, of course. Um, we're using stunning hemp bat insulation uh, that's gone into the ceiling and then that's being capped with some wood fibre board to catch all of those thermal bridges. The walls are getting a similar treatment. And then we'll be fitting a kitchen and creating a sleeping loft and giving the walls a coat of beautiful clay plaster. Mmm, delicious. Uh, what else to say? Oh, Nettlecombe Craft School. Always chatting about the craft school. We have a sale on. Uh, the competition ended. And now we have a sale on where you can save 10% on all courses. A day in the woods learning a new craft is the perfect Christmas gift. I'm sorry, I had to do it. Uh, And it really fits in with this episode. Um, The benefits of sitting in the woods being surrounded by nature are huge as you'll hear. And you'll make something like a spoon from wood from the woodland. And it'll give you a little biophilic boost when you're looking at it cooking your dinner it's an all-round incredible thing to do and 10 percent cheaper for the next two weeks so i hope to see you in the woods next year uh patrons one new supporter this week and that is clark taylor clark actually sent me a lovely message saying that they're off to learn straw bale building at yes tomorrow as the first step in changing career from chemist to natural builder and that this podcast has helped them on the way uh that's such a fantastic email to receive thank you clark i wish you all the best on your journey and uh yeah check back in and let us know how it goes clark has supported at the higher level which means they will receive a hand-carved wooden spoon for that biophilic response uh, coming your way soon if you would like to be like clark and support this podcast and it is independently produced by me, then it would be so very gratefully received. You can do so at patreon.com forward slash building sustainability. There's a link in the show notes. And to say thanks, there is nearly 12 hours of bonus content on there. So yeah, do that if you can. Thanks. Uh, The final bits. um, If this podcast tickles you, then make sure you check out episode 47 of the building sustainability podcast uh it's with bill browning and katie ryan from terrapin bright green vanessa actually mentions them early on in this episode it was nice that they got such a lovely mention and their work is is clearly so appreciated okay that is it from me i'm back at the end enjoy vanessa champion
2: I'm um, editor and founder of the Journal of Biophilic Design, which is also a podcast series. Um, and we interview um, interior designers and architects, thought leaders, acousticians, researchers, academics, um, kind of a um, similar mix to your good self, uh, but probably maybe also focusing on um, more of the design side of things and how we can um, improve mm-hmm. the built environment um, for, for people, uh, planet as well. And, um, and obviously everybody has to think about this, but also the prosperity. And I mean that in, in the widest sense of the, the word, not just, um, financial economy, but also flourishing. Um, so like professor Derek Clements-Croom, if people don't know who he is, I, I suggest them, maybe they have a little bit of a Google, but he has this great thing called the flourish model where basically it's creating spaces and places where we we do that exactly uh flourish yeah he's um he's done a great book called um designing buildings for people um and he expands the uh, model in there but um, there's also a load of other good examples and case studies and things in there so that's also a good one to have yeah but uh, but so personally i i started off life as an academic um as a lecturer in greek and latin um at university college london Um, and but I was actually while I was specialized in epigraphy and languages I was also really interested in the built environment in the ancient world and how uh, civic design particularly um, improved and sort of like um, molded uh, society to um, the positioning of various uh, buildings and um, but then I was also interested in uh, places called the Asclepian which uh, Asclepius was the god of healing and he had um sanctuaries where people would go and relax and sleep and often these places were out in nature so they were nature sounds uh, and when i visited them when i was in sort of the malleable age of about 20 i was like oh my goodness we should build all healthcare centers like this and um anyway fast forward a gazillion years and uh I'm thinking well you know we've we've lost that and um, personal journey of my um, my mother being in hospital and my father having Alzheimer's looking at ceiling tiles and I'm thinking there's got to be a better way to design um, healthcare so that's why I started the podcast really so it combined the um, kind of the academic side of me because I wanted to find out I didn't just want to take it for you know what's the, what is this biophilia effect because my mum looked at a picture of nature that I took in I'm a, I'm a visual artist as well so i um sort of alongside everything else I do photography and and filming um particularly of nature and um and she started focusing her blood pressure came down and um her cortisol levels came down and um a hey, presto she came back to me but um that was a, that was during the flu epidemic and uh although she was weaker when she came out um she was back and uh yeah so that's that's why I started the podcast series and and obviously now we're we're a printed journal and we're on issue seven at the moment. The next one's coming out is uh, education. And um, we've had one on healthcare itself and the NHS have written in that and the uh, workplace and cities and things. So, yeah, um, doing the right thing, I think. <laughs> it takes a long time, but it's doing the right thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely doing the right thing.
0: Um, it's really interesting um, that um, the healthcare example is it's sort of the the archetypal example, isn't it, of um, of the biophilia effect yeah um you know the studies about about the healing effects in hospitals
2: yeah roger ulrich uh did a study um in the 80s actually and you'd think we'd have picked up by it by now but uh he did a, a study of um patients looking at a view of nature and then obviously patients not looking at views of nature so looking at a wall and and looking at um other stuff and uh it was proven that um, they got better quicker um, they needed less medical intervention. There were less sort of negative signs that the nurses um, witnessed and, and they basically got out of the hospital quicker. So there was a, there's like, a seminal study that was done. Um, and then after that, he went on and studied, you know, did more and more research um, to prove that views of nature and, and Terrapin bright greens, So people who who sort of like are uh, interested in biophilic design. Um, it's a good, good place to start actually Terrapin bright greens, website um that he's and, and most people who follow biophilic design follow his 14 or their 14 patterns um of biophilic design and the, and the best one really is the visual connection to nature it's that direct connection that we see so views of nature obviously real plants and stuff but um yeah so yeah healthcare healthcare started um sort of well yeah it was kind of one of the the early things anyway of of proving that the biophilic effect really improved our our well-being Mm -hmm. do do
0: you know when you became aware of the term sort of biophilic design and biophilia
2: yeah i was um so i said i was a visual artist and i was selling um my images um to um to to businesses to uh offices and things um i was printed on printing on uh, acoustic panels so that boardrooms weren't boring um, but also I had lovely views of nature so that people had like, you know, a window in spaces where there wasn't a window. Um, so I, I went along actually to a, um, it's Rocker, which is a, um, a, a bathroom tiling company and they do beautiful bathrooms and sinks and all that kind of stuff. But they're in a, a Zaha a headed building near Imperial Wharf. And uh, they did a, a seminar basically on bio... Well, they were doing it on, eco- e- e- you know, environmental and sustainability um, in design. And the guy who was doing it um, mentioned biophilia. And because, as I said, I was sort of, you know, I was a real Latin and Greek language nerd. So when I heard biophilia, I'm like, oh, biophilia. I know what that means. Bio meaning life and philia meaning love. It's like living, loving life stuff um so i i found about it there, and then, when I realized actually about it how it helped us flourish, it kind of made made sense um i mean personally, I'd been living naturally f- since I was about fifteen. Um, When I say living naturally, that makes me sound like I was running around naked, but I don't mean that. I mean (laughs) that um, I was um, eating naturally, um, using natural materials, not wearing nylon, not wearing polyester, you know, really not eating ping meals either. I mean, not that my mum was a kind of like good cook and stuff, but do you know what I mean? I kind of really was conscious. I made conscious decisions every time I spent... Um, you know, stayed anywhere, it, you know, it had to have like this kind of natural connection. So anyway, when I heard the term, I was like, oh, this is something. Um, and then because, as I said, when my mum was sick and my dad was, um, he spent his last days, so he had, I said, he had Alzheimer's and vascular dementia and he was looking at ceiling tiles. And I'm thinking that's not, doesn't make sense. You know, while the, um, exter- you know, the environment um, around him was kind of OK and looked like a home, you know, looked like a house, I mean, you know, kind of that homely kind of effect, you know, it was, it was looking at ceiling tiles. and I'm thinking, well, how many more people are spending their last days looking at ceiling tiles? And especially with like, you know, vascular dementia um, and, and Alzheimer's, where your frame of reference is so small. I mean, that must have been horrendous. It must have been like torture. Um, and it moved me so much to really. And then I said, when my in the same time and, you you know, you couldn't make that up. But when at the same time, when my mother was in hospital and she was looking at a pinball and a dustbin and a clock, and she was going nuts. I'm thinking, do you know what? There's there's these two situations at exactly the same time which could be improved by this biophilia effect. Um so yeah, so it was it was from that really. Um it was kind of a whole bunch of things that, that sort of led to that. But um yeah, um I've always known that obviously nature connection is important, but um yeah, the biophilic and bi- biophilia and biophilic design was the first was where I first found out about it.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I was very much the same in that, um, finding out the term biophilia and biophilic design just kind of made sense of what I was already doing. Um, and the way I was living life and the way I was building my, my buildings. Um, yeah. So then to find out that there was this, this stack of research behind it, uh, that's, that was sort of saying that we all what we all already kind of could feel um it was really you know it's it great to know that you are actually on the right track already
2: absolutely and you you use the word feel um and that's really important i think because um a biophilic design is actually probably the most evidence based design principle um but ultimately it's that feeling and that's exactly it and it's like we've forgotten we've forgotten that we're part of nature that we are nature that it's inherent in us that we're dependent we're interdependent on nature you know without nature we don't have water we don't have food we don't have shelter we don't have any of that um but and yet we're still you know building constructing consuming um as like it's like a and you know an infinite source and obviously we know it's not um and uh, it's just it's just nuts, and that's another thing for me. So biophilic design isn't just about well being for us; it's also about the well being of our planet. Because by its nature, um, you know, it's, it's you use you have to use sustainable materials. You have to well, you know, you have to use more environmentally friendly materials and obviously then you make the sustainable choice about where you source your wood from and all that kind of thing so there is a there's a sort of a differentiation which obviously you know about um but um i think um what you mentioned about that feeling is actually so the whole thing with biophilia is actually about creating those places where our stress levels come down we can work better we can focus better you know we can add up better we're more creative. Um well obviously we know there's like a whole stress um epidemic um that's been going on really since just before you know we know obviously before covid but it really kind of ramped up but just you know just before covid and and obviously then during covid and then since um but stress is such a major thing and and we also we know that by designing workplaces and healthcare units and and everything else in as a, as in forms of factories you know long long open plan desks where there's loads of noise you know we just don't we don't focus we can't we can't um be the best that we that we can be so um again it's just going back to that word feeling because it's that's really a key point um it's about creating spaces that feel good i mean we can maybe talk about sensory design but you know how we feel how we see we touch we smell this whole sensory design thing which biophilic design is all wound up in it's about creating those spaces where we we feel good we feel happy we feel content and um yeah and, and uh you know our blood pressure's down and and yeah we can yeah we can be the best versions of ourselves really
0: brilliant shall we chat a little bit about uh biophilia so you mentioned bill and katie's work at uh terrapin bright green there's the the patterns of biophilic design um do you want to to maybe i wondered uh if you wanted to give a few sort of examples maybe yeah. sort of some easy ones that people can can kind of uh replicate and then also i was thinking you know what about the the, the sort of really beneficial often missed ones
2: yeah absolutely absolutely um as you mentioned there's 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 14 patterns um um as as i said you can go to the therapy in bright green website and um and actually download it for free which is a lovely gift for everybody um the uh i suppose the most important there are five for me there are five most important ones um that have their the sort of greatest effect and um and actually on i think it's um sort of um early on in the um, 14 patterns download it has like different stress reductions and cognitive performance and uh, emotion and and sort of um, you know blood pressure um, uh, leveling of each of these things from all based on evidence All this is all evidence-based but the first one which is obvious really I suppose is this visual connection with nature so that's there's views of nature that's having real plants around you that's the the beautiful you know awe inspiring uh views that we we have um <clears throat> so that could be like um well, if you're in your workplace literally bringing in um living wool for instance, or you know lovely um broad leafed plants around you um obviously it cleans clears air as well, which we'll talk about in a second, but um if you don't have a window, if you, if you have a window into nature, so if you're in a, if you're in your home office or like I have here, I have a, I have a sort of very long door, and it it affords me a, a beautiful view of um, the squirrels playing and the birds, and so I have lots of activity. But then I have seasonal change out of the window. I see the cherry trees, I see all the flowers, I see the you know the daffodils coming up in the in the spring and. And then the, you know, there's all the just, it's just beautiful. You see seasonal changes. So we know that that's really good for us because um, it lowers our blood pressure and our heart rate um, and obviously improves our um, cognitive and our sort of mental state as well. So we can focus better. The second one is the, is the sort of non visual connection with nature, but again, it's direct connection to nature. So, so there's everything that um, isn't visual. So that's um, auditory. That's obviously things you can hear. That's things you can touch, smell and taste. Uh, obviously, we know that brings your blood pressure down and it um it sort of releases your um you know obviously reduces your cortisol levels, but that's things like uh so you can introduce bird song waterfalls uh just rustling of leaves uh but it has to be real, so it's not like um you know just uh, like uh, piano sounds or something like that it's actually real real direct connection to nature, the smell so you can bring in like pots of lavender um rosemary um you know though all those things and um things you can touch so like natural materials linen cotton wood um that's that's all really good for us and also uh things you can taste too so think about um maybe positioning um herbs and things around by by the kitchen area if you're designing workplaces so it's creating this real connection this direct connection to nature So that's really the second one. Um, So then there's the the other, um, just the other three things, which I mentioned briefly then. So the other three things are thermal um, airflow, thermal and airflow variability. So that's actually changing temperature within a building or within a space. So that's like how it would be in nature. So if you think about an ordinary workplace, often the the heat level is the same. Um, In hospitals, it's most definitely the same. Um, But it's about mimicking what happens in nature? So it gets cold, then it gets soft, and you know it gets. So it gets cold, then it gets hot. There's um, natural breeze coming through. Then there's no breeze. Then there's a bit of a breeze, and then also the the quality of the air changes. So when it's raining, it gets damp. So it's about creating um, that, which is one of the best ways of doing that is having an open window. Which doesn't cost anything, <laughs> uh, but is actually open the window. Um, so, uh, yeah, and obviously, that's another reason why we, if we can create um, beautiful biophilic spaces in cities where there's more natural trees, it means the air quality that you're letting in would be better as well. So, it's a bit of a, you know, um, joined up kind of approach but um, we we do need that um, the presence of water is really one of the most important things as well that's but we need to have the view of nature so from environmental psychology point of view we also know that if we just hear water we think there's a leak <laughs> um, but if there's if we hear and see water then it's a, it's a real positive effect on us um, so if you can put in a water feature it can be very simple you know just a little fountain um, it can be actually when you come into a workplace I'm talking about workplaces like because I think I don't know most people listening to your podcast might be working in workplaces or building in public spaces um, but also obviously in your house or your home in your home office or you know even in like your lounge or your um, space where everybody gathers together to create these um, little sort of interventions really where it just keeps reminding us that oh we're connected to nature if you look around a space and there is no connection to nature there's nothing that reminds of 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 the outdoor what like you know outdoor space then that's when you need to really really think about where your interventions are going to be um, and really, the last one is prospect. And it's probably my favorite one, really, I suppose. And that's this is sort of what we call prospect and refuge. Um, well, there's there's two different ones. There's prospect and refuge. But this prospect is about looking out. It's about having your um, having this beautiful view um, of, of nature. So um, creating spaces where you can sit and take time and look out um, if you're, if you're designing workplaces, it's creating office desks, say for instance, that that may look out even out onto the city or something, but it's about having those sort of wide open views um, which really inspire us. But actually, if you bring that even back to um, a sort of smaller kind of concept, and I'm just, just, just to even use, just to use the office example, if you create um, an area like with some tables um, with with obviously like the back, you know, back against the wall kind of thing. And then you're looking out and you can see like the whole office um, as well. We know that's really good for us because um, it helps our blood pressure come down and all this sort of thing. But it also um, it reduces fatigue and irritation because we have this thing called attention restoration theory, which is that every, like, you know, people talking about micro breaks because we're focused so much on one thing. But actually, if we look up every now and again, it helps our brains um, just kind of come back down. Um have actually so I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but I've I've been studying uh, how our brains work, you know, sort of beta and alpha waves, because uh, because obviously all this is all based on research, and I'm I just want to know why. <laughs> but um, obviously, alpha waves is where we're in like a meditative or kind of calm state when we're in nature, and um, you know we might be chanting or whatever else it is, but you know even if we're just in in nature, it's it sort of it's good for our brains this alpha state beta state is where we're like really doing really um, lots of concentration. We might be doing a spreadsheet. We might be doing lots and lots of people um, uh, doing, des, you know, like really intense design, you know, calculations and things. We need that, those moments of, um, so we say this sort of, a, to, to restore your attention. So attention restoration, there is about restoring yourself to a little, you know, to, taking you back to this sort of alpha state. However, quickly it might be you know um and um yeah so the so the prospect thing is really good because it actually affords you that those moments of uh, relief um so looking out obviously if you can look out onto plants that we know that's even better for us but the to, to go going, going alongside the prospect there's uh there's refuge um and um that um is the thing of because because our physiology so the whole sort of biophilic concept this whole sort of concept of biophilia is that we're you know physically and biologically the same as we were when we were living lives on the plains you know 100,000 years ago we were we're still the same beings we're still the same animals if you want um and when you know when we were exposed you know walking through and then there was the saber-toothed tiger that would jump out it's like we don't have our back against the wall we need to retreat and go and have you know know we're safe because um, our cortisol levels are up all the time our backs are exposed and and it's the same kind of mindset that we feel because our bodies are still like we might hear loads of noise around us and things and um, we're still expecting to be attacked. We're still, we're still, we've got this fight or flight thing. You know, people have heard of this fight or flight and our adrenaline, you know, very, very often, you know, we are, most of our work a day is, is, is high. You know, our cortisol levels and, and our stress levels are high because there's loads of noise. There's loads of people around us and we don't, we haven't engineered these prospects and refuge spaces in. So it's about creating little nooks. I like like the Nook Pod things, um, where people can go and and sort of, you know, tuck themselves away and but still look out, so still be part of something. Um there's a lady called Harriet, Dr. Harriet Short, who talks about alone together, and um and that sort of feeds into this. It's about and also if you know people who are sort of neurodiverse, and and I think all of us at some stage, you know, in our in our day where we want to just be away from everybody. We just need to focus. We need to just take some time. So these prospects and refuge for me, I think it's probably my, one of my, um, I'll say favorite, but I think it's one of the most important um, elements of, of design of this biophilic design concept, um, uh, you know, over and above, obviously the direct connection to nature. But if there's one that, you know, anyone takes away, it's about creating these spaces for people to huddle in Um because you know to go back to the auditory thing but we know that that if it's very noisy in our environment again our blood pressure go, goes up we can't focus so it's giving our bodies um rest time for rest um so yeah so prospect and refuge is is one of those those key ones
0: brilliant i like that the um the alone together um i just saw a uh, a post somewhere that was saying um about uh someone that goes to a it's a silent reading book club where they have half an hour where they sort of go and everyone meets in a big room and they have a chat and then everyone sits and reads their own book silently yeah. for for an hour uh and that's that's their sort of their evening so they're you know doing a very solo task uh, of reading but but in a very communal sense mm. I felt that was wonderful.
2: Yeah, I love that. I think that's like, a, it's almost like a, it's like a retreat, isn't it? Or like, a you know, you go to, when you go to a Buddhist um, temple, for instance, and you go there, you know, on the on the Sunday and they, you know, they do the chanting, but then you have this quiet time where everybody's in the room together and you can just be, or if you're in a church, you have these times where obviously, though then it's often led by somebody. But I, I love the fact that you can all be, you know there's this kind of something i i do work um in africa so i've 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 traveled with uh, nomadic tribes in uh in uganda and and there is this sort of beauty when i when i it's funny there's there's this whole thing about quietness i'm i'm fascinated by that as well i'm very fascinated by sound um but the whole uh thing of being quiet we've forgotten how to do that we seem to be always wanting to be on we're wanting to be watching You know, videos we're wanting to be watching scrolling through Instagram and we don't have these quiet moments. We don't have this restoration for ourselves. You know, we're I don't know. We're sort of nuts, isn't it? Really? It's it's bonkers. But um, by, by, you know, designing these spaces in and then um, encouraging people to to be together um, and be quiet as well. is a really good idea. And I love that idea. um, Silent Reading Book Club. Um, what a cool, cool concept!
0: Lovely. I was interested in. I mean, we started talking a little bit at the beginning about healthcare. Um, how, how do you think? Well, what I was thinking about healthcare is obviously you. Know, it feels like healthcare and say schools are probably uh, some of the most important or more important places that we should be applying these principles. Um, but the healthcare one, especially, has has kind of difficulties like my friends currently in um or just got out of hospital um you know they they took flowers off of him because of uh there's people with allergies and, yeah. and things like that so there's very and sort of you know if there's lots of plants that they maybe need to be cleaned because they might collect dust or uh it seems like there's lots of barriers to to what we might initially think of as as sort of design solutions so are there are there other sort of well suited yeah. ways for for healthcare.
2: Yeah. Um as I mean, yeah, exactly. i you can see the thing is, while you can't put plants in the wards, you can put them in um other areas in the work in the uh in healthcare. So that's also a thing. Um we we're sort of having discussions with people in the NHS. You can put it in, you know, certain reception areas and also in the um staff breakout areas. You know, people forget that um uh healthcare places are also um workplaces so it's also not having it's also about it's an education piece as well isn't it it's about understanding that you know while whoever it is that's said in the first place that we can't have plants in the um in the wards themselves or in in those spaces, i understand it in an icu unit or whatever but um but that you can put it in other places which will have a you know really 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 positive effect um reducing stress but also making families are more comfortable and um you know having that whole initial um approach into the hospital a better one So having trees and planting and gardens i mean horatio's garden concept is brilliant that you see in hospitals where um it's for you know particularly for children but other obviously other people can go in a lot often um to most of these but you can go in and and it's um it's, it's a garden so you can go and you can sit and um they have places as well where if people are in there long term but are mobile um they can go and do some gardening. Um there's there's one here in Hertfordshire um where um people can go and um and actually do a bit of gardening which is fantastic. So um but there's other things like um just like, even like circadian lighting so you can adjust the lighting so it does change during the day. You can create um better soundscaping um, actually in the wards. Um so if we're talking about in the wards where people can't can't view um can't have real plants around them. Um so you can create better soundscaping. Um you can put bird song or or soundscape you can encourage people to choose the sound they want and localize it. Um I mean there's enough tech that's cheap enough really for people to um to do that or even to encourage people if they have their own um you know, iPods and things like that to encourage them to look at nature or to do a streaming thing or, you know, to do a communal streaming of, of like some, you know, woodland or whatever. I was working with an AV company that um, produced these tellies that are wheelable and that means people can have like a face to face with their consultant in a, in a, um, you know remotely while they're in hospital so if the, if the consultant can't get to them uh, for whatever reason they can do an, a one-to-one with them but when that telly's not being used when that interface isn't being used they can swap that for a view of nature which they could then select as a you know, maybe they're like a really, you know, blue mind sea, ocean nut. They could just watch some sea, you know, watch some waves or, you know, if they love the trees, they could, you know, switch it to that um, and combine it with like a nature scape or nature sounds or, you know, piano music or whatever else they want with it. Um, But the lighting is really important. Um, A lot of these places, they have the same lighting that's sustained the whole time. And when my mum was passing away, I mean, obviously I said that, you know, beforehand that, during the flu epidemic, she was in, but, um, she got sick again. Um, and she was, she actually, she passed away in in February this year, but, um, when she spent her last days, um, there was so much cacophony and the lighting was the same and it was only near the end where they realized that they could dim the light. Honestly, I, I I can't even begin sorry, you can probably hear my, the anger in my voice there, but you, I I just, you know, this, that should not happen. (laughs) That should not happen. Um, But, you know, creating proper circadian rhythm lighting for the staff as well, which would help, you know, reduce stress, improve the mood and um, also the cognitive performance of the staff because otherwise they're on all the time. They know those lights where they are, so it's all the same. Um, But, you know, it's actually creating views of nature. Um, That's really the most important thing, as I mentioned right at the beginning. And this is obviously where all this has come from for me because I took in the pictures of nature, which I now also install into the NHS and... um, you know, like uh, people having sort of cancer treatment where they're sitting there for, you know, for hours um, and they're just staring at a white wall and, and curtains or just, you know, horrible chairs, which are all mismatched because the design is awful. There's no even no earth tones in the colorways. I mean, that, that could be done. It's not that's not rocket science. Um, but. You know these views of so the views that I I put in they're they're actually printed on this metal um, which is fire retardant um, the chemicals that are also the sorry the polymers of the inks are actually fused with the polymers of the metal so it means they can clean it but uh, because I don't print the white it looks three D so as people even if they are Absolutely supine, and they can hardly move. If they just, you know, if they even have a slightly movement of people around them, it looks like the trees are alive, and um, that's the analogue. It can go on the wall. There is no excuse. So if they moving, you know, as I you know, having views of nature is really, really important. If you can't move the beds to a view of nature, and obviously if the beds, the views of nature or the views out of the window. Are just other brick walls um, or car parks, which often these places are. Then you know, there's not it's, put a, put a picture of nature on the wall. <laughs> you know, what what I don't understand what's the yeah I don't understand what the, what's the matter with these designers and these people? Um, and the you know, it's like they wouldn't want to be in a hospital where they're just looking at a wall. they'll, they'll probably go because the people who are in charge of this will probably be able to afford to go into like a private healthcare facility. This should be for everybody. This should so be for everybody, these views of nature. But it should be in the wards where people are getting, where we are recovering, are having treatment. It should not just be in the places where, you know, it's just thoroughfares and, you know, they stick artwork on the walls and things. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. We've ticked the box. But it's not. This should this should be in places where people where people are healing. We should create healing, places of healing. We should actually do that. Places of healing, you know, so... I don't yeah. this answered your question, so I've gone off on oh, a no, attention. very much <laughs> uh, emotional about it.
0: Well, yes, I could, I mm. could definitely hear the the passion um, that you have for that that topic, and I, I wholeheartedly agree.
2: Mm. It's
0: the place where we should have the most healing in all senses. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, as I say, my friend was in hospital recently, and and the photos he was sending of just just horrible plastic, yeah, that kind of uh, ye- slightly yellowed yeah. white plastic is.
2: it's not right it's not right and i i did a a brilliant interview with um uh dr layton phillips he's um part of nhs wales um he's in the southwest of wales and um and he's kind of like sort of director of innovation down there and he's introducing biophilic design and the way he's doing it he's getting his staff involved so they understand it so they get it and they advocate it and they can experience it and realize how different it, it you know it's making um, it can make um so when I, I at the end of the sort of podcast i did with him i said look you know how are we going to get this into the nhs you know obviously putting all the weight on his shoulders i said how are we going how are we going to get this into the nhs what do we what do we um what do we need to do and he said that and i've taken this for so many other i you know um uh workplace kind of concepts as well but every time we buy we have a choice we can either buy what we normally do or we can buy better we have a choice we can choose to buy better we can choose to do better we can choose to to be better and um, and I think that's the same for everything, really. I mean, you know, whether it's ethical building, sustainable building, eco building, um, create, you know, which materials are going to use? Where are you going to source them from? Are you going to source them from a massive conglomerate, which is um, exploiting people on the other side of the planet? Or are you going to go maybe local? You know, while you think it might cost you more, actually, it probably wouldn't. Um, and it definitely wouldn't be costing the earth more. And you'll be sustaining a smaller business and all this stuff. And it means as well, you can build a relationship. And um, yeah, it's just it's about buying better, isn't it? It's about every time we buy something, it's like, you know, buying something with a fair trade label on, but in in all sense of the words, you know. So yeah, but anyway, that was that was his kind of solution to it, and I think that's that's so important. And and if we're designing these healthcare spaces, it's the reason I'm doing this really is, is because I just want a whole joined up approach. Because you have the designers are here, you have the facility managers, which are over there, you have the um, you know, the the guys with or the women whoever it is with with the purse strings over there, and then you have the bean counters above them, and then you have and then there's the construction people and it's like, oh for goodness sake, will you all talk to each other. You know <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Yes, sort of, absolutely. Isn't it it's like a playground. Isn't it? It's like a playground for everything. Even in even if you're designing an office building, it's like everybody's like off on an, off on one. They're all doing their own thing. And it's when you, when you see, and I think this is what I'm really, I've taken heart to actually, to, uh, to use your name, but um, I'm, I just really, because people are, um, there are, there's more people coming together. There are more people who live and breathe and feel, um, you know, sustainable, ethical design. And I mean ethical in every, in, again, in every sense of the word for people and planet and everything, but they're coming together because, and they're starting and they're working, you know, working together. And we're choosing who we work with. So, I mean, that's eventually, <laughs> we hope that we end up being more of us and they will of the the conventional um, conventional um, way of designing and building. Um, it has to be more roundtable and also designing with the people in mind, you know, who's going to be using it? What, what's it going to be used for? How are they going to be feeling? What are they doing? What's, what, what's the nature of their, their job task? Are they going to be focusing on, are they going to be concentrating? Are they going to be doing sales, you know? Let's create zones. Let's create spaces for people to do the thing so they can, again, flourish in what they do.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm rambling. (laughs) 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 No, that's good. You're here for a ramble. Um, uh, Yeah, it's sort of that idea of um, not just creating containers for people to do a thing in, but actually creating a, a space for them to thrive in all senses.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you must do that, mustn't you? I mean, for what you do... You, your, your the the designs that you create, Jeffrey, are, you, I mean, no way, like you say that, you know, no way would they be classed as containers. They're like, they're hugs. They're they're <laughs> really physical hugs that you create that go around people who use the spaces. I mean, they're they're
0: they're delightful. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind.
2: Yeah, no, you so think about what where you know how you're going to design the materials you're going to design. How are they going to? How is it going to? And going back to your words, how is it going to feel? How is that space? going to feel. Um yeah, I think I think they're beautiful, Jeffrey. Really do.
0: Oh, thank you. it's it's interesting actually because um so I'm in my house at the moment, which um I very consciously for sort of sustainability uh reasons made quite um or very airtight. So there's no no sort of drafts uh in terms of energy performance. No air is leaking out. Yeah, you don't get that cold kind of draft down the back of your neck when you sit sat on the sofa. What I'm realising, <laughs> I spent the weekend at my my partner's who lives in a little cabin and, you know, the, the window was open and the breeze was rolling in and just how much more alive I felt in that space than in my space. Mm. And so I think I'm going to have to slightly change mm. the way I use my own house to kind of... I don't know. It's a it's a <laughs> difficult balance, isn't it? Because there's mental well being, but there's also, you know, I don't want to be using lots of energy. Um, again, for sort of for the planet, for the well being. There's just there's it feels like there's these sort yeah. of points where there's no there's no perfect solution, is there? It's, it's it's finding that balance.
2: Yeah, it is. It is most definitely. And um, you know, I mean, if if in your space you've you've you know you've created it so that it absolutely seals. I mean, if you do have, you know, if you've obviously got a door to get in, so just, you know, just knock that door open every now and again to so just change the air because it's so important for you. Uh, and also, I mean, obviously, it sounds like where you are, you've see, I mean, you've you've got an amazing sound coming from this this podcast, so you've obviously it's, it's completely it's, it's very acoustically um, brilliant, actually. But um, if you're, you know, if again, if if people, yeah, but if people are designing for workplaces, I did a, an interview with. Um, page hudsman and she said she's an acoustician she's a psycho acoustician so she doesn't mean she's sort of like you know goes there and are you there she's (laughs) already been like it's not psychic but psycho she looks at um how the um audible traits um actually affect our brain how it actually the, the actual you know affects the the neurons in our in our brains and um and she was saying that you know the cacophony in the workplace Is so bad and obviously you can put acoustic panels on there, you can put soft furnishings, all this stuff which we know we need to do rather than all these blasted plastic covered tables with plastic chairs and metal bits and bobs everywhere where everything is reflecting things backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. and all those horrible white ceiling tiles that never sit properly and they they sort of start going manky colours and, and all this sort of stuff. I know there's a lot better now, but, you know, generally a lot of office places are really manky. She said to me that one of the best things you can do for improving acoustics in a space is to open the window. So if it's really, really bad. So I'm not talking about spaces where it's all closed in or closed, closed and, and sort of quiet, but. Actually, if you're in a cacophonous office, so um, is to open the window, is to open the door, because it lets the sound waves out. Because if you think a sound wave is actually, it's going, you know, it's 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 a wave like a ripple on the water. And they, they keep going on and on and on and on. I remember learning about that when I was about seven and thinking, oh my goodness, imagine all the telly noise and the people noise. And because it goes out and out and out and out into space, I was told when I was a kid that I'm like, I think, oh my God, the space must be so noisy. <laughs> so I suppose it is really. But anyway, that's another tangent. Um, but yeah, so open the window. Open the window, Jeffrey, yeah. cause it's because really, it's really good for you because also it um, improves the thermal and airflow variability, which is what I mentioned before, which is one of the, the really great patterns of... Um, of biophilic design is creating the airflow because then it's a different temperature for you as well. So um, yeah. that's, so you flourish in that space. So, yeah, open, open the door. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: it, we've sort of segued nicely onto uh, materials there. And that was a thing I'd like to ask you about yeah. in terms of, you know, mm-hmm. maybe uh, we get a lot of uh, architects, uh, people that are renovating their homes um a lot of people that probably just work in an office but uh thinking about the materials that they could finish their space with um
2: what what sort of suggestions mm. might you have oh gosh yes so cotton linen <laughs> um wool uh, you know wood um yeah just natural materials um i've um i've just come back actually from the dreaming in wales and um it's the epitome of Biophilic design, interior. Well, I've you know, never heard of that. What's that? Design. So um, I don't know if any of your listeners remember um, Charlotte Church. Uh, she was a singer. Um, she was kind of a sort of child prodigy. And uh, long story short, she's now re- running a retreat centre in um, in Wales. And I went over to interview her, actually, for, for the Journal the of Biophilic Design podcast and, and did a, f- a video interview with her and um and she's really interested in sound healing but it's actually Laura Ashley's old house so Laura Ashley's old house had um had sort of fallen a bit into disrepair and um obviously the the, the Ashley family weren't there anymore and it gone to, it'd been sold to someone else and she saw the land and fell in love with the land and um she then she couldn't believe it was up for sale so she bought the place <laughs> and she said, sort of like, how am I going how am I going to how am I going to do this but she's bought the place and she's now Designed it with uh, Sarah of London, um, another good person to look up, actually, uh, S-E-R-A of London. And she worked with um sustainability advisor um, and biophilic design advisor, Claire Bowman of RCZM Design. I think it might be uh, RCZM Architects. Um, if, if people don't know their work, I suggest you do have a quick look. But I know Claire and she told me about it. And and Claire, Claire did a lot of the sourcing as well, and I have to say, uh, Jeffrey, that there were so many ideas in that space that was just perfect. So um, there was a reclaimed table um, which had actually been sourced from um, this, this sort of smaller company um, that just used wood, that just used wood that's been re- that's fallen. Um, or, you know, just sitting there and, and they've, they, they use that. So they don't cut any more new, tre- you know, don't cut any trees down. It's, it's really purely sustainable. And they created these beautiful benches where we all sat down. And while I think most of us who went, who kind of, because I was on the retreat as well, um, were like, oh, I, I like to do my own thing. You know, I kind of normally would sit in the corner on my own. Um, it forced us all to be together, um, and that is another thing that biophilia is about. It's about creating these spaces for people to be, because biophilia is actually love of life and living systems, and that means us too. So it's not about it's you know combating loneliness as well, but it's actually about we're social creatures. So it's making sure that we also support each other and have spaces where we can connect, um, even if we are like we just said alone together. Um yeah. but that was really beautiful. The other sort of materials there was like a cob like you do, um the sort of cob walls, um kind of constructions, uh and sort of earthen um you know, earthen plaster around the walls and there was exposed brick. These there were these rattan um hand woven lampshades which you have to see they're like these beautiful they're like lanterns but because they're all um the same material going all the way through the spaces um all the different rooms and the corridors the light comes through these um excuse me they come, they they all the light goes through all of you know through the the little holes in these sort of crocheted lights and cast these beautiful patterns on the walls so it's like sort of like dispersed sunlight as you walk through but the light the light fittings as well the light bulbs are not bright you know if we're creating homes you know obviously this is a home space but you know it was just it's like how do you want your home to be do you want it to be like a bright you know sort of neon infested kind of space or do you want it to be like a nurturing home and loving space for loving for yourself? as well as anybody who might enter it, including your pets, you know, kind of these little warm, you know, havens for people to come to. So light bulb colours are really important, these warm spaces. Um, there was a uh, silk lights as well, which had been done. So again, using natural um, natural materials. Um, so rather than using nylon, which, because I thought they were tights, first of all, when I saw them, <laughs> they've been kind of like um, ex- <laughs> Expanded around a kind of light um old light um shade thing. So they were using old light shades, so it was obviously reclaim, it was a lot of reclamation there, but they put these beautiful silk things which were then hand painted, like these beautiful designs. So if you want to kind of think like how Saris or Dana with like hand painted sort of shapes and dots and lines, um but it gave it a really organic um, natural feel because it was done by hand and not by machine. So it wasn't like a printed design. It was all done by hand. So that's really important. So it's creating these kind of um, using materials then and finishes that um, that are real, that it connect us to life and living things and living people and each other um yeah and and obviously lots of like just natural oh and, oh, and also the curtains which were linen and and have actually been repurposed, so some of them were really old they'd've done loads of sourcing to find these like really long panels, linen and cotton panels, which um if you think about in in sort of like the forties, it was kind of all the rage um or before and slightly before that, but they've you know these things are still in existence, or even to create them new, but what they did was they dyed them with tea. So I used to do this and I, I do it for like outside and, you know, when you, when you use cotton and you want a kind of like more natural color, I put a load of tea bags, the old tea bags and I, um, dye material, um, with tea. So you get these lovely earth colors and, um, yeah, so these, these beautiful hangings and the curtains at the window were just, it was all this earth tones. It was lovely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway, just, that's, that's another, another kind of idea is to use, um, natural dyes as well, um. You know, and it's, it's great Brilliant. as well if you can, if you're creating your own home, to do it with your family. Yeah, do it with your family, do it with your kids. Um, it's you know, it creates a nice little sociable thing that you can then nurture and and um, it's a talking point as well. People come up for dinner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, it's funny actually. I've had forgotten, but um, I actually received an email from Charlotte Church when she was starting that project, saying that she'd like to work with me. Really? And I sent her an email straight back saying, "Hello, Charlotte." <laughs> Uh, I, I'm sure it probably wasn't from Charlotte but um, saying yes I'd love to work with you and then yeah. I never heard from her again so uh,
2: <laughs> it's uh, it's good to hear that she's um, she's done a, a wonderful thing without me I was going to say maybe just a different bunch of people came on but um, yeah I'll, you'll have to uh, well she's she's going to actually build some more places so maybe I'll mention you <laughs> I will not maybe I will mention yeah. you again <laughs> please do <laughs>
0: Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Vanessa. That is part one of two parts. So make sure you head on into the next episode. We talk more about materials. We talk about example projects. There's some of the most beautiful projects. We talk about biophilic design and sustainability. We talk about interior landscapers. I ask, is this a trend? We also talk about the Journal for Biophilic Design and all the great stuff that's found in that. There are links in the show notes. Uh, there's a link to the book Designing Buildings for People Sustainable, Livable Architecture. That is with Hive, who give money to your local independent bookshop every time you buy. They also give me a little bit of money if you click on the link. And just if anyone is thinking that I'm just creaming in the money, uh, I think I have nearly made the threshold of £20 that they pay out on in eight months of of putting all the hive links on so uh yeah it pays for maybe my coffee i've also put a link to terrapin bright green uh the patterns uh also put a link to the podcast with bill and katie and horatio's garden i've been reflecting on that the making my house airtight uh and not having a breeze and changes in temperature. I think the changes in temperature is really interesting because it kind of goes hand in hand with a log burner and the way that I'll have the log burner on for a bit and when I get back it's cold and so there's a real, you know, you heat up the space and then it slowly dissipates so you've got that changing temperature all the time. But again, it's sort of tempered with this knowledge that wood burners are actually pretty bad for local pollution uh in terms of what's actually coming into my house so every time i open the door i get a a little cloud of particulate matter coming in Um, but also what i'm giving to my neighbors so oh goodness it's it's complex isn't it trying to do the right thing i also realized that my mvhr which i love because of what it does for giving me fresh air, but but without losing the heat that I put into the house. It does a really good job of regulating the humidity. So actually, internally, my the sort of humidity level doesn't fluctuate that much. And so that's interesting to, to know that that's actually potentially not as helpful. And I have gone down this thought path before. I kind of reasoned that I built myself a tiny little house, Because I really like spending time outside. I spend a lot of time outside. My workshop's outside. Actually, I'm probably getting a huge boost from doing all of those things. Uh, You know, walking to do my laundry is not in my house. Too small. Uh, You know, I think because I don't really spend a huge amount of time actually in my house, then I'm getting those boosts from elsewhere. And therefore, it's okay for it to be a bit more airtight and a bit more regulated I and mean, it's also full of cork i was thinking about that refuge point and my my mezzanine sleeping loft i deliberately kept the walls cork colored the the sort of dark cork that uh, matt was talking about in the last episode uh, on the cork house i wanted to keep it dark so that it was it sort of had a, a snug warm cozy feeling to it and there's been a few times where i've retreated up to my my bedroom and just sort of felt quite soothed by this space um obviously you know I've got trees in it I've got lots of wood grain I've got natural colors um <laughs> I did as much as I could to make it a biophilic experience so yeah what am I saying I think I'm saying I can deal with having quite an energy efficient house uh because gives to me uh the biophilic stuff in other ways have i mm, am i justifying that to myself or to you (laughs) (laughs) right episode two get on it straight away i will see you there i hope you've enjoyed this episode i hope you're doing really well see you soon
1: planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince